0: Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. I want to cheers like ASAP.
1: Let's go. Right into it.
0: <laughs> Waste no time today.
1: <laughs> mm. And so for those for those of you uh, that are joining us, either by listening or watching, uh, we are drinking a Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Yes, which we highly recommend. Um It is from New Zealand. I'm favoring the New Zealand Seven Young Blancs. I ain't gonna tell you the name because they ain't dropping us no coins. So until that happens, I ain't dropping no more names. But talking about dropping names, (laughs) let's talk about the name that everybody's talking about right now, which is Euphoria. And if you're not like... If you haven't heard about Euphoria or you're not watching Euphoria, I'm surprised at this point because I just feel like it is so saturated on social media. It is. And right now there's a little bit of controversy behind it. And, you know, we love to talk about the controversy and the controversy that is surrounding it is that the organization D.A.R.E., Which, you know, goes into schools and teaches young kids and teenagers about, you know, the dangers of drugs and so on and so forth. And it was really big when you and I were growing up. You know, just the Just Say No campaign. Mm -hmm. Remember that? That was spearheaded by Nancy Reagan. Um, So D.A.R.E. came out with a statement that I actually want to read so that you can understand, like, kind of like what is their stance on how they feel about what Euphoria is doing, in displaying the drug use. So, Dare said, and by the way, they released a statement to TMZ, which I thought was hella funny. <laughs> like, 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 not, not NBC, not CNN, TMZ. But okay.
1: But but you know what though? TMZ is like a legit reputable reputable source. I, I of mean, news now. I,
0: I guess. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to read their statement. So it says it reads rather than rather than further each parent's desire to keep their children safe from the potentially horrific consequences of drug abuse and other high risk behavior. HBO's television drama Euphoria chooses to misguidedly glorify and erroneously depict high school students, drug use, addiction, anonymous sex, violence and other destructive behaviors as common and widespread in today's world. Dare also said that it would like to consult with the representatives of the show to present its concerns. Um
1: My concern is who the hell wrote that article. <laughs> That's what I'm concerned you about. You mean the statement? The statement, yes. Because I just feel like that they're a little out of touch of, you know, what the show really represents and what it shows. I, I don't know. I don't I don't feel that way at all. S-
0: I would I would firmly agree with you that I also don't feel that way about the show, but I think you and I have a very different perspective when it comes to what we're seeing on screen when we're watching Euphoria, especially when it comes to the drug use that is surrounding, which is the lead actress, Zendaya, which plays Rue. Mm-hmm. I will say that the first season was actually hard for me to watch and I actually went back and watched a couple of episodes just to kind of refresh my memory, just to kind of really wrap my head around Rue's journey of her drug addiction and her drug use and man, like I was in tears again and I think I've watched this season, the first season, I want to say this is probably like my third or fourth time watching it because I was, it was just so impactful for me. So, I definitely don't agree with what they're saying based on my own personal experience.
1: Yeah, funny thing is, I don't, you know, like, at the beginning, I wasn't really a fan of the show. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first watched it, I just, I I felt that it didn't do an accurate representation of what it is to, like, to use drugs and things like that as a, you know, an ex-drug user. But I was wrong. Because I, I ended up giving the show like a second chance, mm-hmm. and then quickly realized that they're actually really on point about you know the way that Rue you know how her, how her life plays out and how she you know she's on drugs and things like that, and I, and I immediately got hooked on the show, and then now in this second season, you know this last episode, I mean wow, I was blown away by her performance. Yeah, you know, so totally hundred and eighty degrees changed my view on the show, and I think that they did they they've done an amazing job.
0: So let me ask you, what about the show in the beginning? Did you feel like wasn't authentic about the drug use?
1: Um, so you know, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it did it gave me the um the you know all right. So remember when we were watching Breaking Bad? hmm And so I felt that in the beginning of Breaking Bad, they did the same thing to me. Where I just felt that um the storyline about where they were when the drugs took place and how the scenes played out and things like that. I just felt like that they were over dramatized. And I felt like there was like a sense of of realism that was missing out of it. I felt like they was making it kind of like cinematic and Hollywood mm-hmm. per se. But then the story kicked in. And then that's when I really like got submersed in the show. Mm-hmm. Same thing went for, euphoria you know once i started to learn about Ruth's story and i started watching a couple episodes um and i learned about the stories of her peers and school and things like that that's when it really like started to sink in for me i got start, i got hooked on the story but then also there um all of the all of the events that followed as far as you know and Ruth's story from when she got originally hooked on drugs and then she overdosed you know and then she had to go to you know and a and the way that affected her her family all of those events those felt very real those are real stories and so that's when it kind of like changed for me
0: so you feel like in the beginning of euphoria the way that they were they the way that the show was portrayed as far as like the drug use felt like you felt that it was glamorized somewhat? Yeah, a little bit. There was, like, it lack a sense of realism?
1: Yeah, I just sometimes... Because, you know what? Wow, that's
0: so interesting. Well, I
1: mean, listen, I've been in some pretty, like, you know, hardcore scenes. So have I. So, you know, for me, it's so... There's always... um. I always have, like, this bias when I think when I'm watching these actors and actresses play these roles that they're lacking the actual real experience and that they're just acting and that mm-hmm. there's a part of them that doesn't really know how real it is. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, that that goes for all actors and actresses because I've seen some amazing performances by, you know, some amazing actors and actresses that have blown me away, but I've also seen some that are really crappy and they just don't hit the mark and I and I can't watch it, you know, mm-hmm. because of the lack of authenticity that that they need to bring in order to convince me that, you know, that, that what I'm watching is is, is real. Mm-hmm. Or at least, you know, it appears to be real. And so it took a minute for Zendaya, I guess, for Zendaya to convince me.
0: Okay, I understand. Yeah. I guess the reason why I'm so surprised is because when I first started watching Euphoria from the first episode, I felt there was such a sense of realism to yeah. it. But I guess looking at it from your perspective, you and I had very different experiences when it came to drug use. hmm especially in our younger years so i could see maybe how like you felt like it didn't have that sense of authenticity for you but for me it did and you and i were talking about this earlier today and i said to you that i remember one of the first times that i did a hallucinogenic was in high school and it was given to me by a friend and it was just very like matter of fact you know my friend came up to me and was just literally like hey you want to do this acid? And I was like, bet, let's go. Like, no questions asked. And it reminded me of the scene in the first episode with Rue where she goes to uh, meet Fezco and cop some drugs. And she's talking to Ashtray. And she says, you know, let me get whatever. And then he's like, yo, you want to try something new? And she's like, what is it? And he's like, you know, explaining it. It's basically some sort of hallucinogenic. Yeah. And she's like, I, right, whatever, just give it to me. And I could see how... There are many people that have never stepped in that, like, aspect of a world of drugs that would look at that and be like, what? Like, it doesn't go down like that. No, it literally goes down like that.
1: You know what, though? At the beginning, like, it was hard for me to accept Zendaya in this role. Okay. Because of the roles that I've seen her play before. It was Mm -hmm. nothing. like I've never seen her play anything like this. Mm -hmm. So, like, immediately when I saw her in the show, I'm like, Is she going to be able to pull this off? Like, you know, I just, I, I was second guessing her, her abilities from the beginning. Like, you know, she had her, she had the chip stacked against her with me because of the other roles I've seen her. And I just never thought that this would be something that not only would she go for, but she would body. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was so blown away by the way that she was able to, um, perform and be so, and with such conviction mm-hmm. that, and I'm I'm a super fan now.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you remember me saying, like, before season one even ended, I was like, she's going to get an Emmy. Yeah, you did. She's going to get a Golden Globe. Like, I, I was not playing around. I could tell by her performance level that that is what was the path for Zendaya, And I think it's going to happen again for her. But let's get back to the glamorization of the drug use in the show because that is where this organization dare really has a problem. Yeah. They this, feel like,
1: they feel like that they're glorifying yes. the drug usage and the, you know, the whole party scene and everything that goes mm-hmm. on the show.
0: Yeah. So I could see how dare would look at this and think that there are some young, I I would hope that there are kids not under the age of 14 watching the show. To be honest, I really don't think at, To me, 14 is even maybe kind of young, but I mean, the first time I did drugs, I was, I think I was like 12 or 13. So I would say no younger than 14. I don't think that this type of show should be consumed. It is very, the story is very adult, and I feel like it takes an adult mind to really wrap your head around what what you're seeing. So I could understand how Dare would look at it like, I hope that there's not young people watching this and thinking that this is cool or that this is the way that teenagers function when they get to high school. They go to parties and there's this like array of drugs and all this type of shit. But what I will tell you is that in one of the first episodes where they're at that house party and there's drugs and there's alcohol. I don't know about you, but I've gone to house parties when I was in my high school years and that's exactly how it went down. I don't, I wouldn't say that there was pills floating around because when you and I grew up, that wasn't really like, that wasn't really like what a lot of people were, a lot of people were partaking in back in yeah, the 90s. Not, not
1: at those type of parties, you know, like those, those type of things were happening more in like a smaller concentrated group of people having like a small personal party, but mm-hmm. like a big old house party, it was more, it was a lot just mainly just, you know, weed and, and alcohol. And that was about the gist of it. Really, I—I mean, at the big parties like that, like they have on the show, yeah, that was mainly what was going on. I mean, it wasn't until like, as far as high school goes, you know, it wasn't until like I was older, Mm -hmm. out of high school, that you know I I would attend a party that size, and there would be other things going on, but not while I was in high school.
0: Well, I definitely do think the comparison between our generation and this current generation that they're depicting in the show Euphoria is vastly different. Yeah, of course. The access to drugs is very different and the type of drugs that like to be consumed mm-hmm. are very different. I'm sure there are. When it comes to the drugs and the usage being glorified, I personally feel like it's the polar opposite. When I watch Euphoria, I look at it like, shit, this is so raw the way that we are watching Rue go down this path of basically annihilating herself when it comes to drug uses. And it starts off very innocent. You know, she is caretaking for her sick father that is dying from cancer. And, you know, she has a conversation with him and she basically says something to the effect of like, what what does this drug feel like? And he's like, oh man, that's the worst. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about Uh, Someone who is deathly ill with something like cancer, they're taking an array of drugs that basically are just keeping them comfortable. Yeah, if they're if it's an illness that can't be cured. So she takes this oxy for the first time and the father doesn't even know anything the wiser. And that's really like the gateway for her into the drug use. So then you watch this journey of her going from this like innocent usage, even though young in her childhood, Zendaya was diagnosed with several disorders. You mm-hmm. know, she had, she was diagnosed with OCD. She was diagnosed with, uh, back then, what would have been considered ADD. Uh, she was also um, diagnosed with like anxiety disorder and potentially they thought she could have been bipolar. So from age like five until like 12, she was giving. She was being given all types of medication. And I don't know if you have any experience with this type of medication, but my little brother, when he was young, he was born a lot later than Zendaya was born in the show. But I feel like he was in the school system around the time where there was that height of like kids being diagnosed as ADD, ADHD. And my little brother was prescribed Ritalin. And when I tell you he became a different person on these drugs... Yeah. I watched my brother basically go from this like, um, energetic, lively, to what I would say he almost was kind of like zombie-like.
1: And th- that was because they were there. He was diagnosed like hyperactive.
0: Uh, I would say that it was more like attention deficit. It wasn't hyper. So that's ADHD. He was ADD, so attention deficit disorder. He was not able to focus and had symptoms of, you know, fidgety, but not necessarily hyper. I just felt that my brother was more lively. And once he got on Ritalin, he literally would come home from school and it was just... He was like a zombie-like. That's he, funny
1: because Ritalin is supposed to like make you focus.
0: It did, but it took away his personality. Mm. It made him focus. Yeah, he was able to stare at the at, at the board and stare at a book, but everything else was gotcha. like almost non-existent. And luckily, he wasn't on that for a long time. So, I do have an experience it. So, what I'm trying to say is, is that Rue was already familiar with taking drugs. She was already familiar with like she was very comfortable yeah. popping a pill. And wasn't, there wasn't a lot wasn't of foreign to her. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of um, fear behind it. Right. You know, whereas someone that has never seen something like that or felt like the alteration of their mind and potentially would steer away from it.
1: Yeah, almost like she was like almost like curious, like hmm, wh- I wonder, wh- I wonder how this will make me feel.
0: That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so when Dare is going to say that it's glorified. That's why it's so hard for me to agree with that statement. I could understand their fear of kids looking at it like, oh, this is potentially cool, but if they watch Rue's journey from the beginning, it is deep-rooted in in pain and depression and loss, and it's just so heart-wrenching why why she's doing these drugs. I don't feel like there's anything glamorous about that at all. No, they're
1: definitely not glorifying anything. I mean, I think that the show does a an amazing job on on showing people what a parent's worst nightmare is. Yeah. You know what I mean? This young girl is spending time with her dying father on his deathbed and ends up trying morphine, you know, pharmaceutical-grade morphine. Oxycontin. Oxycontin.
0: I mean, are you talking about in, in season one or currently? No,
1: that that's, I mean, it, Oxycontin is morphine okay yeah so she ends up trying you know pharmaceutical morphine and takes a liking to it you know probably like the last thing that her mother thought would be the way that her daughter would get addicted to drugs is the way that it happened you know it's and and it's the ones that you don't see coming that hurt the most and i think that i love the way that they displayed that you know it's, it's like it snuck in and, and through, through an angle of their lives that nobody ever would have suspected, and it wreaked havoc. There is no, I mean, in my, my point of view, there's no glorification of it at all. It literally shows this girl's life fall apart into pieces and her destroy her life and the people around her that love her the most without even thinking twice about it. I mean, she goes full on attic mode throughout every and, it, and it's everything is just a wreck i don't see the glorification in it i don't agree you know i think it's very educational and it's very um eye-opening for people that think that it is glory it is a glorious thing you know and it, and that it is like you know drugs are cool and you know and for whatever images that there may be out there that depict it in that type of way where it is glorifying this is not it
0: That is so interesting that you bring that up, because when I thought about it, I was like, wow, I'm so surprised that dare thinks that this type of drug uses that is being displayed on you for it is glorified. Because when I think about drugs being glorified, I think about it in music. And one of the prime examples that immediately popped in my head was Scissorb. I can't tell you how many times I've heard a song where the artists were walking around with a cup in their hand that was filled with, you know, maybe they didn't show what was in the mm-hmm. cup, but it was led it was, to...
1: It, it was a double styrofoam cup. Yeah. Like, it, what else is that? You yeah.
0: Know? And if anyone doesn't know what scissorb is, it is it is um Sprite mixed with... um. Codeine. Codeine, sorry. And that is meant to fuck you up. And there was a song that came out that basically was like... Sizzling awesome scissor, sit, yeah. sit. Like to me, that is glorification they, of
1: a drug. I used to call it lean because it would make you lean. And this drink became popular in rap videos. I mean, yeah. it was being glorified.
0: So to me, when I think about something being glorified, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That to me is the ideal depiction of something being glorified. To go even a little bit further, I personally, oh, we have a visitor.
1: What's up, buddy?
0: I personally can tell you firsthand, I had a recent conversation with two ex-blood gang members. And this conversation was really shocking to me because I think I've heard this statement before, you know, these kids and their music. But when you're speaking to ex-gang members, you say to yourself, okay, they have, what, what they're saying to me holds so much truth because it's coming from their own personal experience. I was lucky enough to be part of a documentary that, um, and I, I myself wasn't a part of it, I was working on it, where we were interviewing people um, on different ways of uh, tackling gun violence in inner-city communities. So these two gentlemen worked for an organization that was doing research in their own communities. This is why they were ex-gang members. Uh, they were basically reformed. But since they had the trust of their communities, they were able to go in and perform interviews and speak to the youth in those neighborhoods to try to gain an understanding of why there was this type of violence going on. And when I tell you that, they literally said to me, a lot of these kids are hearing this shit glorified in the music, yeah. and they are fucking turning up because they hear, you know, someone singing a song, you know, I gangbang this way, I do drugs this way, so this is where it got me to where I am in my life as far as like the music, like you know, like I'm, I I gangbang, but look at me, I'm a rapper. And I was so surprised to hear that because in my mind, I'm like, I grew up in the hood. In my mind, I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. Those are stories. But at the same time, there's a sense of it's being glo- it, it, it's being glamorized. Listen,
1: I, I hear what you're saying. And honestly, it just sounds like the people out there don't have anything better to do. Cause I, cause in, you think in, so? They don't have anything better to do because <laughs> in all honesty, right, so if they were to really attack like a part of a part of our society that is glorifying this. I mean, that is one right yeah. there. I mean, it's just c- clear as day. It literally is being glorified. It's being sold. It's being profited off of, and mm. people, young kids, are being influenced, and they're leading these type of lives, which are then getting them into trouble and landing mm. them in jail. I mean, there is, there's, a, it's, it's a big problem. Yeah. But you don't see them going after that, right? Why? Because it's big money. It's big record labels, and then there's this whole theory of that you know allegedly that the big you know the big record labels that they're they're invested in the in the um prison systems you know and so that and so that they hire certain rappers and they give them the they give them the the key the gateway to success and they basically sign up these rappers and artists they sign a deal with the with the the label the devil Mm -hmm. And they have to promote this type of music. Why? To influence, um, to influence influence urban neighborhoods and and kids who are easily influenced to live these type of lives, so that they can get in trouble, get locked up, and fill the prison systems. So, you know, do you think it's a coincidence that Dare is not coming after them? Dare is not saying nothing. But HBO, on the other hand, they're a network. It's an easy target, I think. And you haven't heard they're doing much lately about anything. I I know I haven't. Maybe I'm wrong. I just haven't heard anything about them. So it just kind of seems like they just they just need to do something, and they're coming after the show.
0: Well, I think you and I were talking, and you said something that I found. I was kind of sh- struck by it, and you had said that you felt like whoever is like spearheading yeah. this campaign towards euphoria from dare they lack experience in the world of drug
1: it it seems that way yeah it seems it seems that way that they either that they either lack experience in in um in drug usage or they don't have any family members that they've had to deal with that have had drug problems because if they did i I just i would think that they would see the show for what it really is Mm. and the show is so much more than that too yeah. You know what I mean? I, okay, granted, there is, uh, like a, I feel like, a, a tiny part of the show where they did kind of glorify drug usage at a party and they made it seem like, you know, they were having fun doing it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you take the whole show in its entirety, it must be, that's probably like 1.5% of the show.
0: I would agree. All
1: right? What, what the show does is it literally peels back the curtain on people making the worst some of the worst choices of their lives and what those choices look like and how they play out and they really allow you to see and learn off of these things so that you don't make these mistakes themselves i mean you have um the uh the father right what's um do you remember his name
0: are you talking about Nate's dad yeah Nate's dad right cal,
1: cal. so cal He's a very prominent figure in his neighborhood um in his community, and he is a homosexual mm-hmm. and he lives and he's been that way from before he got married and it's been a secret and he lives a secret double life and it shows all of um how that life and all of those decisions that he makes in that double life how they end up tearing apart his marriage mm-hmm. and how how those decisions end up wrecking you know his his uh, his life that he built mm-hmm. the son Nate you know he's a little bit you know, cuckoo, I guess you would call it, you know, and he, and he makes a bunch of wrong decisions and it shows how those wrong decisions play out and how they affect his life. And every character in this show, um, makes wrong decisions and it shows how those decisions affect their life as teens do kids do, you know, as they're growing up and they're experimenting and they make wrong decisions, you know, it's relatable, you know, it it makes almost someone feel like, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not, you know, it's not just me, you know, this is a thing, you know, and and I just think it's very educational. To say the least.
0: When you say that it's educational, I think that there are many people throughout the United States that would feel that it's not educational because yeah, of course. they have never dipped they haven't even dipped their toe in anything remotely close to what is being displayed on you for. So I think in that regard, it could be looked at as This is fully fantasy. Right. Like Like that shit doesn't happen. Yeah.
1: So that's why I feel that the people out there, Mm -hmm. they're lacking the experience.
0: I'm going to say that one of the things that I thought about when I, when I think about drug usage, when it comes to young adults and teenagers is that what parent do you know that is going to openly be like, yeah, my daughter's hooked on pills. That is something that is so, that is considered so shameful so it could be happening amongst many families within your community that a person will have absolutely no idea that that potentially could be happening to their next door neighbor or their child's best friend Yeah. or, or whatever the scenario may be. It could be happening so close to home and you wouldn't even know because many families are keeping that shit on lock and they're not talking about it. So I, I personally look at euphoria, like you said, it's pulling back the curtain for people to have a little bit more perspective. In addition to the perspective, I feel like it can allow for people who have no clue as to what drug addiction can look like, how horrific it can be. It will give a little bit of empathy Mm -hmm. because I myself can say that I was guilty once upon a time as thinking that people who were addicts were weak. That was my mindset. I used to think, "What what is wrong with them? Why can't they just say no? Right?
1: Just I, say no. Because I've done drugs. And go. And right? tell someone you trust. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> Weber. <laughs> okay. But that's, but, like, that's
0: my point. I honestly felt like. Yeah,
1: yeah there's people that think that way. Yeah, They're just like, well, why don't you just say no?
0: And, thank God, I came to the realization that I was naive as fuck mm-hmm. to actually think something so stupid like that. And, when you watch rue in her fucking path of destruction of drug use you have to understand that it is not something that is some that it's not about someone that's weak minded yeah they can be the strongest person that you may know but what drugs can do to a person's mind can really take them down a deep dark hole and there's a scene where Rue talks about the first time that she basically was chasing what she considered two minutes of nothing. And she has a moment where she had consumed so much drugs where the way she expresses it on the show as she's narrating it is that she takes her last breath where all of the oxygen comes out of her lungs, where her heart slows down to a a beat where it's almost unrecognizable and her brain shuts off and she is in complete silence i almost envision it as being like the sunken place she is gone and the and the way she explains it is once she reached that moment it was one of the most fearful moments she's ever had but at the same time it was the moment that she is forever chasing. It is that moment of complete silence for her where she's not thinking about the death of her father. She's not thinking about how fucked up she's dug her life into drugs. She's not thinking about how much she doesn't want to live because how much she misses her dad. She doesn't think about how how much turmoil and pain that she's inflicted on her family. None of it exists. And for a long time, I didn't understand that. When an addict would chase that feeling, and from experience, I can tell you, I've gotten, I've done drugs and it experience a euphoric feeling. This is why the show is called Euphoria, where you will then chase that. And it only happens the first time. It only happens one time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's usually the first time that you experience a drug at a level that you've never experienced before. And you go into this state. And then what winds up happening is you chase that feeling. But you're, you're never going to get back to, to one So then what happens is you do more and you do more right? and you do more because maybe you get an inkling of what that one time felt like. I'll never forget one of the first times I did ecstasy with you. I thought they were fucking stars in the window somewhere. And you know, and I was, I mean, don't you remember me telling you? you? Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, it's
0: that never happened to me ever again. The feeling is
1: never really ever. The same as the first time, yeah. Never. Because you end up building building somewhat of a tolerance, and so when you do it the second time, it's um, you're not your receptors don't yeah. really react the way that they did the first time, and so you it's not as intense or as new or as fresh. So you know you got to turn it up a notch. You know you got <laughs> to turn the volume up, yeah. And uh, that's how that you know snowballs into into that. But I feel like it's, um I don't know, the best way that I can describe it for somebody who hasn't done it is I know everybody eats. And if you for a second imagine the best thing you've ever eaten in your life and how that felt for the moment that when you taste when you tasted it and it was the first time you tasted it, it was the first time you tasted something you never ate before, but it was the most amazing thing that you ever ate and you remembered it for the rest of, for the rest of your life. That moment when you had this amazing explosion of flavor in your mouth that almost gave you goosebumps. And for that moment, you were immersed in this flavor and nothing else mattered. You There was nothing else that existed for that brief moment. It was a full-on concentration of what your tongue could taste, what you were smelling, the way that it was making your mouth water. Maybe even gave you goosebumps, Mm. right? Food can do that to you. Now imagine... That over the course, imagine, imagine stretching that moment out over the course of an hour, or three hours, and just being in that euphoric state, right? I think people people who don't who've never tried drugs like that only get a little snippet of it when they do things that make their body react in a way where they're, it's slightly euphoric. You know, mm-hmm. they get little bits and moments of it, but you know, drugs will you know you can you turn on the manual override when it comes to that and you really take control of it and you can go on on a ride Um, and i think that that's why one of the reasons why drugs are so addicting and just to say that this you know that this show is you know again glorifying it i don't know i think somebody missed the assignment over right there they really did
0: They didn't understand the assignment. (laughs) They didn't understand
1: the assignment. You know, like this this show. You know, I think that in in a way, it's for me. It was educational because I didn't. You know, I wasn't really like aware or or um fully open to the uh, to the the society of transgenders. Like there's a transgender on the show. And even more so a transgender person being in high school Mm -hmm. and what that was like, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And then how that person. What their life is like amongst their peers, you know, in high school. So I was like, you know, I think that that. That was perfect for people who don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, it was. Per- I think it was perfect for parents.
0: This is why I said that I feel like the show will help you have a, a essence of empathy.
1: Yeah, and you know, there was a lot of other things that you know that the show had that are more relatable to to, to today's generation. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, will make you understand better the generation that's growing up underneath you. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it actually a- allows you to have a connection. It creates a bridge where so many parents can be disconnected from their kids and the way that their kids' lives are, and you know how many how many times have has a has a parent had a conversation with their child and their child is trying to explain to them what's going on in their life, and the parent tries to relate by saying x, y z, and the kid is just like, You don't understand, yeah this show i feel like in many ways bridges that mm-hmm. so again, totally disagree. Not feeling it oh. I, I I dare I dare the people that dare to go get a clue oh
0: my god I, yeah. I I will say that I can understand where dare may have some sort of apprehension about what's being displayed. I am a parent yes. you're a parent yes. we have children I just think that you and I we tend to not stray away from those hard conversations we've had very open conversations with our children about drugs about the consumption of drugs about what drugs can do to you i personally am not a i'm not on the opposition of drug use of certain drugs i personally will just say that i think you said it best if Doing drugs is something that you must take on as an adult. It's an adult thing because there are adult consequences. Absolutely. So until you are an adult and you can be responsible for your own consequences, then you should not be partaking on drug use. Because if you are under the age of 18 and you're partaking on drug use, then your parents are held responsible. Mm Mm-hmm. And when your parents are held responsible for your drug use, it then is looked at like your parents didn't potentially raise you right. And I can tell you firsthand, as a parent, it sometimes has a small percentage to do with that. But man, what I tell you has a lot to do with the environment that the child is around. And that environment can easily just be what their peers are doing in fucking school. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you. I can tell you, actually, I experienced the most amount of drug exposure in high school. I was exposed to acid. I was exposed to weed. I was exposed exposed to ecstasy. Um, I was exposed to cocaine. This was in high school. Yeah. So uh, I just wasn't exposed to the harder drugs, even though I had come across them, not through high school, but where I grew up. So it's kind of hard for me sometimes to look at the show and say it's not real and it's glorified because I know firsthand that that it kind of is parallel to the life that I had in high school. It wasn't it's not identical, but it's very similar. So sometimes I'm just looking at the show like it's almost hard to watch. Mm. Because it, it it hits so close to home on some of the subjects, especially season one with Rue overdosing. And now season two has definitely taken on a, a different life. I just would hope that when parents potentially can be naive to a situation when it comes to what their kids are doing.
1: Yeah. This I- show can definitely shed some light on that.
0: It can definitely shed some light on it. But in the same regard, when I say that you and I weren't shy to to have these conversations with our kids is because we learned from our parents being shy about that shit Yeah, yeah. And, and making it seem like, Oh, if you did drugs, it's, it's the devil, but not giving you any, a- any sort of guidance. It was right. just like, if you do this, you could die. It, right. it, it was so s- stupid in the way that it was delivered that it, to an extent almost made someone want to do drugs because you were like, what are you even talking about? It's the
1: classic Adam and Eve, the forbidden fruit. You know, when you're a parent and you kind of like go about things where you forbid, even the conversation, the, 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 the space to talk about things that may be taboo Mm -hmm. or not allowed or things that are, that are not looked on. You, you put them in a, in a, in a cabinet with a lock behind a shiny glass saying do not touch. And what do you think the kids are going to do? Yeah. They're going to go touch it. So instead of instead of creating that environment where you're opening curiosity, sit the curious mind in front of you, open the mind up and feed it. Give it to that and let you know and let in just take away the curiosity. Yeah. You know, I think that that creates such a different dynamic. And Even more so, I think that the show, especially in this last episode, Mm. really shows the extent that someone who is addicted to drugs will go to get their drugs. And for those people who either have a family member or a child that they suspect is abusing drugs and they're not supporting their drug habit this show will give you a pretty good idea of what they might be doing potentially to get their source of drugs yeah and you know it's easy for a person to turn a blind eye to it you know out of sight out of mind they don't think about it they just kind of think that there's nothing going on because they're not providing but where there's a will there's a way and I think the show really really pulls back to pulls the curtain back on what's in that will and how that way is paved yeah. for somebody who really wants what they want.
0: When I think about when I think about the way that the drug consumption is displayed one of the reasons that I think the show is definitely not glorifying it is because they from the first episode explained to you why Rue is a drug addict.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not like she was just at some party and her friend was like, Hey, you want to do some fucking Molly? Hey, you wanna do Oxy. Even though you did say that there are small aspects of that, because there are. There is a scene between Maddie and Cassie where they do Molly. Um and it's a, fun. And yeah, like, it's know. fun and they're having a good time. And there's a scene with Rue and Jules where they do like a hallucinogenic and they're like kind of tripping. But that is after they explain to you why Rue does drugs to begin with. Yeah. Like why she's an addict and why she consumes drugs and how that journey started. And I can tell you that a lot of parents don't even realize you know, like in that first episode, there's a scene where Rue goes into the kitchen. She's like, Mom, you got a tampon? She's like, yeah, in the bathroom. And Rue goes in the bathroom. And then they do this scene where they show her going into the bathroom every morning and coughing while she's opening the medicine cabinet. Yeah. And she's stealing her mother's Xanax.
1: Yeah,
0: You know how many times I've heard stories like that? Where young people are going into their parents' medicine cabinets and taking whatever the fuck they can find?
1: Well, I think even, the, even, even more importantly about that scene where... Where Rue and Jules, they take something, mm-hmm. they like they come home from, from from a party, and it's like they just kind of they just met and they're getting to know each other and mm-hmm. they're having fun together and Rue pulls out some drugs and she does them with Jules. But I think the the great part about that scene is that it shows that Jules, she's not really into that. Yeah. She does it and it's like, all right, whatever, it's not my thing, and her character stays true to herself and really doesn't get involved with that. Rue, she's not, she doesn't really like do much, like you don't see her doing too many drugs after that.
0: Uh, she does it one time after that. That yeah, is one, pretty prominent. one time I'm saying, but it's yes. not, it's
1: not, it's not like part of her thing. Correct. Right? She's more of like a, like a straight and straight, straight and narrow person, you yes. know? Yes. Um, and she stays true to that. And, and Rue realizes that. And then Rue has to hide her addiction from Jules, mm-hmm. you know? So, It just shows so many different perspectives and so many different uh, characters that to say that again, and I hate to keep going back to this, that it's glorifying. It's so much more than that.
0: Yeah, I will say that, you know, Dare actually had problems with other facets of the show, which are like the display of sex or sex violence, because, you know, in the first season, there is a aspect of revenge sex when Kat goes to a party she winds up having sex with a couple boys in a room. They record it. Remember that circulates through the school? Yeah.
1: But this uh, is a but this is a real thing that happens.
0: Uh hello. You and I were actually just talking about this. Yeah. Well, actually, we didn't talk about it last, epi- last episode, but basically you had said to me we were talking about bullying and I said to you I said I feel like it's worse in this generation because once they leave school, it doesn't fucking stop because you get some footage of somebody that shit is circling the whole school people are talking about it during school after school before school because it's on social media it's going through people's cell phones so to me that is very real we have sons that can speak directly to that and sadly you know i have been or i have experienced some of some younger people, because I work in an industry where I'm exposed to a lot of younger people, you know, and when I say younger, I mean like, you know, uh, maybe early 20s, mid 20s, where they've openly expressed to me their habits and the things that they're doing and the drugs that they're consuming. And I'm sometimes surprised because I would consider these drugs. Um, dangerous mm-hmm. because of their level of a. D- The level that they're easily addicted to, and a lot of the times they're pills, and to the fact that in Euphoria it's shedding a light how a lot of these pills are found in in the home. They're found in a parent's medicine cabinet, Mm -hmm. or a kid, you know, goes into the hospital and breaks a leg and gets a prescription. prescription. You and I can speak firsthand to this evil. After we had our daughter back in 2014, I had cesarean and I was pres- prescribed Percocets. And I remember being very fearful of them because one time, a couple years prior, I had had a procedure where I was prescribed Percocets and I wind up getting sick from it. So when my doctor this time prescribed, I, w- I was like, no, I, I don't want to do this. And she was very adamant about me taking it because she said to me, the level of pain that I was experiencing was probably very different from the like very small procedure that I had before. And, you know, I trusted my doctor and I took her. She was right. She was right because I felt very different on it this time. I took them, you know, for about two weeks as prescribed uh, as prescribed at the end of the two weeks. I was just like, OK, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. All right, I feel fine because what what I started to notice is I, what I started to notice was I was supposed to be taking one like every six hours or one every eight hours. And I started to notice that like. Towards the end of the eight hours, yeah. I was fine. I, oh, I I started to notice that like I didn't need it as much. So I basically just turned to you and was like, okay, I'm done with these, and I, I maybe had like I don't know five or six pills left or something like that. And I went to sleep one night, and I started basically having what would be considered like convulsions in my You're sleep. Withdrawals, in your yeah, sleep. I was having, and I I had no idea what the fuck was happening to me. And you called the doctor, and the doctor was like. You explained to the doctor what was happening. The doctor was like, You have to wean her off of this. And when I tell you, I was fucking shocked that this is what I had to go through. My body literally was like, You cannot be at ease without this. Mm-hmm. You had to take the pills from me. And you had to, every night you gave me, first it was a half like two nights you did a half and then one other night you did a quarter until yeah. until all like however many pills I had left were done and my body was just like tapered off from it. I was fucking mind blown by that shit. So to know that that's how easy it can happen, that was one of the stepping stones for me to understand that it's not about being a weak mind because I consider myself strong as fuck. And when I tell you my body immediately was like, you need that.
1: Mm-hmm. It was that your mind was not in control.
0: Zero. I had zero control. No. Zero control. So when I watch Euphoria and I watch Rue go through this shit, I understand. And, you know, they had those two episodes during season one and season two where it was like it went into Rue's story. And Rue talks about she does not want to live anymore. She's on this journey. But at the same time, I feel like Rue's conflicted. Because she says she does, she says she doesn't want to live anymore. But then you know you go into episode one of season two, and she finds herself in the room with this new character, Elliot, and she feels like she's going into cardiac arrest. She asks uh, Elliot to give her something else to like counteract what she's going through. Right. at that point, if she was looking to die, if she was looking to not live anymore,
1: she was a lot of talk. She-
0: However, I think Rue wants to die in a way potentially where she's unknowing of it she wants to die in that space that she talks about her chasing she wants to die in that space where she is turned off where she doesn't even know where she is and again i can speak from speak to that directly i have from experience gotten high to a point where i did not know where i was but i know that i was somewhere but it was completely it, it was it was an illusion I was hallucinating to a point where it was I was receiving so much serotonin and so much dopamine, or because it was a mixture of serotonin and dopamine, that where when I came out of that state, I want to right back in. Mm-hmm. But I, but can I tell you what was happening? No. So when I watched that scene in the second season where Rue is hallucinating that she is dancing with her father in the church, I was emotional
1: yeah
0: or as they say on tiktok emotional damage (laughs)
1: emotional damage i don't know i listen (laughs) i'm not gonna lie and i'm not trying to glorify uh drugs in any which way whatsoever but Mm. my experience um with with drugs up until a certain point was great you know it was, I was very functional and I was very, very able to do what I was doing. And I'd still at, at the same time, you know, handle my responsibilities, but eventually that all, you know, came to a head and things fell apart and, you know, and I eventually had to get my life together and straighten myself out because nothing lasts forever. And when you're doing that to yourself at some point, it's going to do more damage than it does good, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I. I was realizing that and I knew that I had to change and and I was able to change my life around. But you know, Rue, she's a perfect example on how she's a she's a runaway train with no brakes. Hm. You know, and what that's like and what that character is like and what that character what that type of person does to themselves and the people around them.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you firsthand. It is horrific. Mm-hmm. I told you, and I've said this, I think, on the show many times. Euphoria was the first time that I saw my story being told, which was the story of a victim yep. of a drug addict. And Rue's sister, Gia, she's the one that finds Rue overdosed.
1: Yeah, her sister's the victim. The mother, Her mother's a victim.
0: And... That's why when I that's why when Dare says that it's glorifying it, I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" The level of agony that I watch in this show is almost gut-wrenching to me. Yeah. I you know when I say almost, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take that back a step. It is 100% gut-wrenching for me because the first season tore me apart cuz I watched things happened on that show that happened in my life that i've never seen anywhere else i felt like there was no level of glamorizing in it it actually felt so raw to me and i connected so hard with it but then i have to think about the people that have never experienced an inkling of that how they could look at that and be like what the fuck yeah. is this? Sh- this is too much.
1: Yeah. Like, I, you know, and again, and I can see why from that perspective, it seems like glor- like it's being glorified, yeah. you know, like what are we doing here? Like somebody Correct. who somebody who can't connect or relate to what it is that the show um, is displaying is going to be left with the questions like, why? Why is this show even about this? Like, why spend so much money making a show about a drug addict and someone that does drugs and things of that nature? Um, it's the same thing of like many people probably ask why did they make Brokeback Mountain?
0: That's interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I. I, But there's a.
1: I'm sure there's a whole culture of people that know exactly
0: what that's like. What
1: that's like. Yeah. You know, and it was probably um, you know, and all the people that are connected with people like that. You know, it was. You know, those people they need that.
0: Same thing with Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Like I, I remember watching that, and I was just I, my mind was blown watching yes, that. Absolutely. I will tell you this though. Um, I'm trying to think of like how uh, like how I want to deliver this. In watching the show, think about all the things that I see displayed on the show, and as much as it connects to my life, this last episode there was a scene in the show where I was unable to watch it cuz that's how yeah. hard it hit it hit <laughs> I remember home. that scene I don't want to I don't want to say what the scene what was happening in the scene because there are maybe some viewers or some listeners that haven't watched the episode yet so I don't want to spoil it for anybody and I also don't want to scare anybody but the reason why the scene was scary for me to watch is because I have seen that action happen
1: oh. I mean, why not talk about it? So we we listen. We we watch so many other um, content creators talk about details of shows and episodes, and they announce it. They say, hey, "Spoiler alert!" Okay. If you haven't watched it, so spoiler if, yeah, alert. Spoiler. Listen, if you haven't watched the last epi- episode of Euphoria, spoiler alert, it's yes. coming up. Thank so you. just you know, just tune away. This is probably not something that you want to hear. We're going to some details. We're going to reveal some details about the episode. Yeah. And if you're going to watch it. You're not gonna want to listen to this. Yeah. So in the so, episode, in please the, tell us.
0: In in last Sunday's episode, there's a scene where Rue's being injected with morphine. I have the hardest time watching anything be injected.
1: She was being she was it was more than being injected with morphine. She showed up to a drug to a drug dealer's house, yes. right? That she she took a bunch of drugs on credit off of this drug dealer. And she did it with the intent not to sell it. She was going to use it and do it all, but she somehow tricked the drug dealer to giving her a bunch of drugs on credit because she had this master plan on how she was going to sell it and make the drug dealer a bunch of money. And the drug dealer bought the plan, fronted her a bunch of drugs. She fucked up the whole deal, ends up getting the drugs confiscated from her, from her mom, because Jules rats her out. And I don't
0: think her mom confiscated them. I, if I remember correctly, Jules actually says yeah. that she flushed Jule, them down okay, the toilet. Okay, so
1: Jules flushed them down the toilet. Yeah. But whatever the case may be, she's at this point, she's, like, full-blown, like, in addict mode. You know, she's doing all types of drugs, and she at that point, she has an endless supply. Mm-hmm. She goes home to try to, like, you know, re-up and do some more drugs because she needs to because, like, she's at the point where, like, she's down and, and, and finds that her drugs are gone. Has a big fiasco at her house. Now she's going through withdrawals. She's getting sick. She's doing all this shit to try to like get drugs so that she can, um, so she can get get a fix, what they call it, you know, fix fix the sickness. So she so so, so she doesn't continue to go through withdrawals. And then by some chaotic events where she's like robbing, she she enters a uh, she breaking, she does a b and e where she like enters a house, robs them, gets all this stuff, shows up at the drug dealer's house, sick. The drug dealer realizes what's going on, mm-hmm. shows a, a side of sympathy for her,
0: mm-hmm. and but I would say it's a side of sympathy that comes from like, it's like a psychotic. Like th- yes, th- th- this th- this lady who is the drug dealer is she is she's not all there.
1: Yeah, she's not all there, but she also is, is still sympathetic because she knows she used to be a drug addict Correct. and she knows what Rue is going through, mm-hmm. but she knows that Rue has never injected heroin or morphine, because mm-hmm. she has some medical grade morphine, and tells Rue, I don't have pills. I All I have is liquid morphine injectables, and you don't do that. So she lets Rue go through her withdrawals, and Rue is to the point where she can't take it no more. She knows that this lady has it, and she asks her for it. And at that moment, that lady sets her up with the well, kit, with the tourniquet kit.
0: Well, when I tell you that, when that scene started to unfold, I... I literally left the room. Yeah, I left the room and I said, just tell me when it's over. I firsthand can tell you, I have seen drugs injected. I have been in crack houses. I have been in drug houses. And when I tell you, it was too much for me to watch. So when D.A.R.E. says that they're glorifying, when they, when let me say this again, when D.A.R.E. says that they are glorifying drug use, what the fuck are you talking about? Because when I tell you that was in direct line with experiences in my life of watching people do drugs so here's the i am d- so confused by what dare means by that here's
1: the beautiful thing about that episode right and i say beautiful because i say it was so eye opening and so educational right mm-hmm. and most people won't see it that way but i'm going to tell you why i see it that way is because it it clearly shows how someone who doesn't inject heroin May end up injecting heroin yeah. and not by choice, but now Rue has the experience. She's has ex- she's experienced what it's like to get it intravenously, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, okay. is she going to prefer that from now on? Is she going to seek that out from now on? Is she going to follow the path of a lot of heroin users who that's all that's the o- the only way that they prefer it?
0: Yeah,
1: it's so. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things where again they pull back the curtain on how something like that can play out Give people an understanding how because I think so many people actually question that how does somebody come to that point where they stick a needle in their mm. arm for drugs you know like so many people go to the doctor and they get an injection and they're just like you know that's the last thing they want to do yeah how does somebody willingly just put a needle in their arm you know Th- that scene tells you how something like that happens and how moving forward somebody does it voluntarily and I think it's amazing.
0: And to wrap this up because I so fucking agree with you so hard on that and this is why I say, I will say it again and I feel like the show is going to give people that lack the understanding of drug addiction, I hope it gives you some empathy as to how some people can end up this road. I will say that Sam Levinson, who is the director of Euphoria, if you watch the... um, kind of like the after, uh, like the, uh, I don't know what they really call it, like the after of Euphoria where it, like they interview him and he kind of gives like a little background as to his direction of the show. Mm-hmm. There was a scene where Cal was driving and he was listening to Depeche Mode and I looked at you and I go, this story is written from this man in a way where, I know he's directing it and, and the writer and him are friends also, I personally feel like Sam has direct experience with this because it is just so on point for me. So on point. Somebody
1: has experience. Somebody knows what the fuck they're doing over there. uh, uh,
0: (laughs) Because there's no way that you've never experienced drug use, drug addiction, exposure, like how it's being administered. All of those aspects, there is no fucking way that you're able to deliver it in that way if you've not experienced it.
1: Um well so here's the thing, right? I I do agree with what you're saying, but there are also there are also those people who are able to reenact things just by seeing it. Or just by getting it from someone else. You know what I mean? I feel, because to think that, I mean, Zendaya is. is No, that's
0: not what I'm saying. I I, I feel you on that. Okay, okay. So am I missing the mark? I'm talking about the creators of the show. Okay. There's no way that you're just writing that down on a piece of paper and you're imagining that that's the way that it goes down.
1: Oh, maybe they've seen it go down.
0: But that means that they would have experienced it somehow.
1: Okay. Yeah. Because All right. I hear it I you're myself
0: saying. has n- I myself have never injected drugs, but have I seen it? Yes. yes. And can I tell you how it looks? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it comes from it comes from experience. There's no I'm telling you Evo, there is no way to the to the T of the way that even Rue reacts when the drug is administered into her. That is from direction. Yeah. So whether they have seen it, experienced it, There's no glamorizing in that shit. There's no glorification in that shit. So, Dare, I'm sorry. I feel like you're way off the fucking mark. And maybe you need to seek out... Maybe you should have a conversation with the creators of Euphoria to get a better understanding of what it is that they're trying to deliver. Because back in the day when Nancy Reagan said, Just say no, she didn't know what the fuck she was talking about either. Because people were treating drug addiction like it was... they're not treating it like the way that it is now. Like it's an epidemic versus back then it was like the war on drugs. We must fucking eradicate this shit. It's very different now. So the understanding back then to what it is now, I still feel like there's a separation somewhat. And I feel like maybe they should talk to the people from Euphoria. Maybe they'll gain a better understanding of actually what is happening to young people and the way that they're consuming these drugs. I
1: think Euphoria is the new dare, right? And hear me out for a second, (laughs) right? Okay, I'm going to hear you out. Right? is because they dare to tell the truth.
0: And nothing but the truth, so how about guy. And nothing
1: but the truth, and it takes it takes balls. Yeah. to come out and exploit shit like that to pull back the curve. Well, curtain.
0: technically, it takes balls and ovaries yes, because it takes Zendaya's balls and ovaries. Thank you very much. Yes. Zendaya is delivering that shit on a silver I stand, platter. I
1: stand corrected, but yes, it is not easy to to put yourself out there the way that this show has. <laughs>
0: And I love you, and I want to. You know, we're gonna we're gonna end it with that. But when you said it's not easy, I really thought it's not easy being cheesy.
1: <laughs> oh damn it, Gina! Uh,
0: you know, listen. All it's right. Friday. We're having a good time. We're enjoying our drinks. Uh, I just want to thank everybody for joining us again.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Yes, for sure. So whether you're listening, whether you're watching, however you're choosing to consume our content, we appreciate you. So and again, I'm just gonna let you know, whatever button there is around you, whether it's a follow, whether it's a subscribe, whether it's a donate, Please look for it. Look for Find that shit, it. cause that helps us Press grow. It,
1: click it, support. Yeah. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Yeah. And if you think that you that we have the potential to be um, something that is beyond what you see here, share us. Yeah, for real. Support for it. Real, for real, for real. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend.
0: Yeah, for real, <laughs> for all. Um, but with that being said, until next Friday, everybody. Peace Peace out.
1: out.